Welcome to today's edition of the Paul List Comics and Culture Podcast. Every day I pick a comic and then I provide some analysis, discussion, and critical engagement. I'm Tu Ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. My perspective is as a cultural critic, academic, and a teacher and preacher. So I try to be analytical since sometimes I get philosophical, sometimes I get a little spiritual. Well, since I do analysis of a comic's work each day for about 20 minutes, I do get into the details. So I always suggest that you read the work first, whether you buy it from your local retailer or digitally. Yes, that's a lightweight spoiler warning. All right, let's dig deep. Happy Fourth of July. Um, for those of you in the United States, this is when we celebrate um, Independence Day in the United States. It's Monday, so it's today's our Monday Marvel. Um, I'm going to forge ahead despite the fact of it being a holiday because this daily podcast is daily. <laughs> we'll see how long we go before I start needing to take breaks. Um, uh, today our book is Miss Marvel number 8, written by G. Willa Wilson, with art by um, Takeshi Miyazawa and Adrian Alfona. Miss um, Marvel has been widely publicized, and rightly so, because it's introducing something very specific and very interesting and very important, I think, to the superhero market in our time. Um, G. Willa Wilson, the writer, um, herself a a Muslim, and Sana Amanat, the pub, the editor, has had a significant role as well in this character's creation and publicity. Uh, I think they're worth uh, they're worthy of of being applauded. Uh, in Captain in Miss Marvel, excuse me, uh, I really applaud that a very subtle and a very accessible but a very potent kind of progressivism is happening in their um, creation of this character, in her development, in her larger and larger role in the Marvel Universe. Um, introducing a Pakistani-American uh, Muslim superhero teenage girl who captured the essence of that Spider-Man sense of wonder at uh, superpowers and the prospect of being a hero with all the insecurities of being a high school student but at the same time, I think the comic flips a lot of problematic tropes in superheroes on their uh, on their head. Um, you know, in terms of gender, in terms of race, in terms of religion, in terms of um, sexuality, and it's uh, it's done it all with a, a good bit of um, panache and humor and fun. Uh, the the this current volume of Miss Marvel, which of course was rebooted along with the rest of the books in Marvel's line after Secret Wars, um, has tackled gentrification, but also has had a Calvin and Hobbes style duplication machine story of ridiculousness. Um, in fact, the issue that we just read was just preceded by a one issue kind of a science off. Uh, G. Willow Wilson seems fond of writing the word science as a verb a la the martian you know to science the heck out of something and so there's kind of a science off with none other than miles morales the uh, spider-man character who is another i think um another um exemplar of marvel's forward thinkingness and uh the artists in this issue are adrian elfona and takeshi miyazawa as i mentioned who have really been the two 
most consistent um, standby artists of Miss Marvel, the character and the title. Alfona was the artist initially when Miss Marvel was first introduced and launched, and Miyazawa has done uh, really uh, awesome work in carrying forward the character and creating a sense in the art of the liveliness and the fun, as well as the potential for um, gravity and significance. Uh, both artists are able to pull that off in their styles and in their storytelling. Uh, this issue has both of the artists, which I think this may be the first time of, for that, for a very specific reason. There's a four-page opener story before even the opening credits page that's uh, illustrated by Alfona. The rest is taken over by Miyazawa. That four-page opener is about, I think, who is supposed to be Kamala's great-grandmother. Uh, the scene is set in Bombay in 1947. And Kamala's great-grandmother, whose um, name is Aisha, and, uh, it, and her husband, Kareem, and his family are fleeing uh, Bombay during the time uh, of or after the Civil War that establishes uh, the nation of Pakistan. Uh, it, you know, in the text, it actually cites that this is the largest human migration in history. And they're leaving the dark hours and they're headed to Karachi. And uh, she is pregnant with a child. And the ending of this sort of four page opener set emphasizes sort of the thematic purpose. And I think anybody who has in their lineage or personal background a story of migration, a story of being an exile, a story of being um, uh, an expatriate, or, or some sense of just having to leave behind your home uh, because of civil strife or because of um, conflict can relate to this uh, very brief but but quite powerful opening, um, and and the quote that ends the opener is is um, the narrator saying, "Even in the midst of civil war, life can begin anew." And that reminds us that we are in the midst of a civil war in Marvel Comics. This is Civil War Two, uh, another one of the superhero events, and I am not always a fan of superhero events. I think what frustrates me about them is that. They're often pretty good at asking some pretty potent and significant, you know, politically pertinent questions um, and weaving them into a superhero narrative. But they're generally failures at answering those questions um, in whatever sense, uh, most often because uh, mainstream superheroes have a um, committed position of centrism. <laughs> because they need to maintain their audience. Sometimes they can say revolutionary things. Sometimes those revolutionary things are put in the mouths of characters whose own actions and fates um, don't bear out the belief. And I think that makes for good literature, but it doesn't necessarily make for good deliberation. And so um, actually more often than not, neither of those happen. More often than not, the the good questions devolve into a punch punch kick kick to do them all and so most of the time i'm disappointed even if hyped in the beginning um in this case the civil war ii event is built around and uh, you know the previous civil war which we've now seen in the film 
uh, Captain America Civil War was a conflict between Captain America and, and, and uh, Iron Man about whether or not superheroes should submit themselves to registration. It's about authority and power and um, independence. And I think that's still um, a kind of theme here, but in a certain manifestation. And so if you, don't, if you haven't been following the event, I certainly don't blame you. Essentially, what's happened is that um, Captain Marvel, in this, t in this case, instead of Captain America, Captain Marvel, or Carol Danvers, uh, is the head of Alpha Flight. She's up in a space station. Uh, she has um, gotten connected with a, a character named Ulysses, who is one of the Inhumans. Um, I won't explain what Inhumans are, just suffice it to say. A, a, I don't know, species, a group, a subgroup within humans who have um, powers activated by these Terrigen Mists. Which, by the way, Miss Marvel is also an Inhuman. And so is, to some degree, Carol Danvers? No, she's a Cree. I don't know. I'm losing track of the origins. Anyway, um, Ulysses' power is the ability to predict when disaster or, or some heinous crime or loss of life is going to occur. And since he can predict with remarkable accuracy, supposedly, um, I think this is displayed somewhere along the main storyline of Civil War, which is uh, unfolding okay, decently, um, I think, written by Brian Michael Bendis and drawn by David Marquez. You can look for that book. Um, since this conflict is... Uh, so, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, is utilizing um, Ulysses' powers to identify potential disasters and the villains behind them and then to apprehend them in advance so we have here a um you know a predictive targeting program to to prevent crime a la minority report you know the film with tom cruise and um and so miss marvel is recruited by captain marvel which makes sense because miss marvel is um Kamala is, uh, to of course, totally uh, adores and, and worships Captain Marvel, and um, this is her, you know, paragon of, of heroism here. And um, Captain Marvel recruits Kamala to her cause to become uh, a, the leader of a of a small team. <laughs> Kamala names them the Carol Cadets, <laughs> and uh, and these are these vetted volunteers who are. You know, young, hip, cool-looking, diverse, and their job is to um, find out from Ulysses and via Captain Marvel who the next threat is, and then to stop them. And they're sort of experimenting and trying this out in New Jersey, because New Jersey is uh, obviously a horrible crime-ridden place. Uh, I like how Kamala goes, "No way," you know. But anyway, before they enter the big stage of New York or whatever, they're going to try it out in New Jersey, and um, Carol. Danvers sends them to stop a villain named Hijinks, who has stolen a tank, which is, you know, probably a, a uh, punishable offense enough. But to stop and apprehend him because the tank that he stole is going to explode and cause a bunch of deaths. And so they do. And as they're taking him away, they explain that they are going to hold him to make sure that this tank doesn't um, do what Ulysses has foreseen that it's going to do. And he shouts out as it's as he's being taken away. He says, "This is not fair play." And Ms. Marvel stands up for what they're doing and says, "I used to have to wait until somebody got hurt, or robbed, or kidnapped, or worse before I stepped in. And now those people are safe. We can take criminals off the streets before they have a chance 
to commit crimes. And you hear in Miss Marvel the voicing of this impulse to protect because the thought of lost lives that could have been saved is um, is an impossible responsibility. Uh, if you knew that you could have saved lives and you didn't, then those lives are now uh, your responsibility. And I think that's a very basic impulse that leads to all kinds of decisions in our world. Um, and there's going and there's a response to it. Uh, hijinks, the villain says, "This is not going to end well, Big M, for you or anybody else." And there, I think the character is again a mouthpiece of a point of view that the story um, wraps itself around. Um, afterwards, uh, Miss Marvel sees her friend Taisha, who actually agrees with hijinks. He says, "She says, you know, this isn't going to end well," and really explicitly lays out the connection to current day social issues. She, she's. Taisha's African-American, and she says, you know, this kind of tough-on-crime approach is why boys are, are arrested for standing on a street corner, you know, and a generation of us, she says, are going to jail rather than, than to college, and she pleads with Kamala, don't fall for this stuff. And, um, and so this, as the story unfolds, uh, Kamala, you know, and, and her team of uh, Carol Cadets, you know, or stopping somebody before he, as he's just thinking about robbing a jewelry store. And then, of course, there's the uh, cliffhanger at the end where the next um, cause of a, uh, you know, a, a, what actually Kamala's school, Cole's academic high school, is going to be vaporized if they don't stop this next person. And the next person turns out to be Josh, who is a classmate who's been uh, around since the first issue of the first volume of Miss Marvel. And so there we're left off, and we get a peek at wh what's coming next because, you know, we see a preview of the cover of the next issue, and there's Miss Marvel spray painting the word phony over Carol's image on a wall, and we can see where it's headed. Um, both that cover and the cover of this issue utilize the um, iconography of uh, street art and its connection to revolutionary or proletarian or... Um, in indigenous struggle or whatever, uh, that kind of iconography um, to align Kamala with a certain perspective. And that's where I think it's really interesting. And so, you know, it's intriguing to think of Kamala bucking authority and, you know, her own heroes, specifically, you know, her, her, her idol, um, for the sake of um, aligning herself with... I don't know, civil rights with, dare we say, Black Lives Matter, aligning herself with a point of view like Sonia Sotomayor's in the recent um, Supreme Court ruling uh, in Utah versus Streif. Uh, that's the case where um, Supreme Court ruled five to three that if I, um, if a stop, you know, if, if police uh, illegally stop and search without warrant and then find something that's um, and rest, you know, a, a warrant for an arrest, then that can be admissible in court. Essentially, if I'm a police officer and I stop somebody just because of suspicion, you know, read profiling, and um, I find evidence of something that is criminal, then that crim that evidence can be uh, sort of a <laughs> retroactive warrant for my, my stop uh, to be justified, can be used in, in, against um 
the 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 person who's who's been stopped. Um, and Sonia Sotomayor's, if you haven't read it, search it in the news. Her um, dissent is eloquent and cites, you know, um, uh, the new Jim Crow and and cites Tanahasi Coates and the double consciousness uh, that you develop in the experience of always being aware that the police can and will stop you and that you are in danger because they are searching for justification and rationalization for criminalizing you. Um, it's interesting that there's some media buzz about people trying to uh, get Jesse Williams, the actor pulled off of Grey's Anatomy for his statement at the BET Awards which I certainly did not think was not only was not racist, was um, specifically anti-racist in this in very similar ways as our Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor is in her dissent. Um, if you have the ability to read complexity, um, I think that there's um, power power in both statements really. Um, and on the other hand. You know, you think about the attempts at gun control legislation right now and really the fight to try to limit guns um, and the way that people on another side of the aisle uh, view that as a kind of uh, invasion of, of civil liberties. Um, and, and the question of that could, could say Omar Mateen, you know, the, the shooter in the um, Orlando nightclub shootings, could he have been detained earlier for the signs he did show of intent, um, even if he didn't have a, a you know previous criminal record, or or could, could his right to bear arms have been withheld from him? Uh, so it's a it's a complex and certainly prescient um, set of problems, and it's a, you know it's a very general theme. It comes up in superhero stories all the time. Villains do evil. Heroes are meant to stop them. But who watches the Watchmen? You know, when, when has absolute power corrupted? Absolutely. Um, but in this specific context in the Civil War II event, I think that the, the, this comic is really bringing to, to mind the questions of the extent of what we try to do in securing against risk. You know, what if our technologies can get us to a point where, as Carol says in this issue, it's no longer profiling because profiling is making an assumptions a, a bad assumption based on group characteristics, but it's actually pinpoint targeted, you know, like a drone strike, you know, um, accurate and and precise, um, and and that idea that you can become more and more scientific and accurate and precise in preventing crime or harm, it's part of an endless and an ever-deepening drive within our society towards this idea of securitization, of being able to assess every risk and ensuring against permanent damage to a greater and greater extent to protect us from loss, to protect us from uh, from pain, really, to protect us from calamity, you know. But anybody who looks at insurance or or security industries, you you can't help but sit in the reality of them and realize that you can secure so much but at some point in securing safety protection let's say even power you 
produce on the back end entirely new and accidental risks. That everything that we do to keep ourselves safe, to keep ourselves strong, um, winds up being the gun in the cupboard that our, our own children get their hands on sometimes. Um, excuse me if I'm, if I'm seeming <laughs> political. I am unafraid to say that I am. Um, but I think that um, there's something going on in the story that's important. And it's not that the creators are taking a... Well, I think they are taking a stance. I think they are very much aligning Kamala, Miss Marvel, with the questioning of our attempts to secure um, and really the maybe sometimes the lies and the bias that that masks. Um, but I think actually even more powerfully and significantly is the contrast of the rest of this issue that I've mostly been talking about with what I started with, um, with what the book starts with, with this very messy, very <laughs> unrisk assessed opening story. You know, and, and I think that opening story, it's not an answer. It's not like a policy response to what to do about civil strife or about, you know, this very specific question of whether it's policing or um, civil liberties or whatever. Um, in fact, that's, the story is almost a, a kind of evasion of the question. Uh, it's a pseudo-religious. There's all kinds of stuff in that opening four-page story that, you know, um, reminds you of birth narratives of all kinds of religious figures. For me, as a Christian, most most resonant with the, the Christ nativity story, um, but I, I'm sure in other religions too. And this pseudo-religious um, mini-story, you know, Kareem's father, as they're being taken away, no, sorry, as they're fleeing, he asks, why should I be bundled out of the house like some criminal? And, you know, of course, yet there they go, and hope in, in fear and in anticipation and in anxiety that their child is going to live and make it and become something. And then the ending that, of, that, of that opening is that new life comes while, you know, people are in exile, that, that it, you know, it's in fact the oppressed who give birth to new life, who will be the originators of hope, who will become, you know, the salvific ones. Um, we Christians say in, from the Hebrew scriptures that it's the stone that the builders reject that becomes the, the main cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. Um, and I think that is this story's answer at this point. Um, it's obviously unfinished. But that Kamala Khan represents, in many ways, the outsider and the legacy of the outsider who, given a chance to be in, um, recognizes and sees something that is um, not contained within the narrow point of view of those who granted her that power. Um, and in that sense, I do I take the cover um, in this issue covered art by Cameron Stewart. And, you know, you see you have Kamala as this revolutionary figure. Um, it's a fist in the air kind of uh, art with um, allusions to, you know, your Che Guevara's and your Mao Zedong's. And standing in front of her are... Her family and friends and uh, her 
her heritage, really. And I think that the statement is uh, powerful if, um, if one that um, tries in its substance to be nuanced. Um, either way that you come down and however all of this rolls out, new life comes from here. New life comes from the oppressed, the exiled. And um, it is those who have suffered who understand and who can change. And I think um, that is a frequent theme in comics, um, but also one that often gets stifled and silenced. And I'm happy to try to heighten the sound of that um, in this issue. So to, for me, kudos to this art team. Um, we all, of course, have bigger um, fish to fry. Uh, I, I don't ask for any support uh, for doing this daily podcast. Instead, on this 4th of July, I ask you to um, think about supporting uh, those who are on the front lines of whatever battles for justice, for freedom, for um, for goodness, for equity that um, uh, that you know of, and you would support, <laughs> and uh, you can support and encourage me uh, by contacting me at Twitter uh, at two ply, or by email at two ply at gmail, and let me know how this is going for you. Um, Tomorrow I'm going to do the uh, Tuesday trade paperback on the sixth volume of Saga, um, a well-known comic uh, comic book, and um, pretty soon I'm going to record a new intro app, uh, a new description of what exactly it is that I'm doing here, now that I've clarified that a little bit more. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, keep on reading. <laughs>